Welcome to Through the Bible with Pastor Michael, a podcast from First Baptist Church in Mustang, Oklahoma. Here's Pastor Michael. All right, it is January. This is day 11 in our reading. We are covering Genesis 30, 31, 32, uh, and also Psalm 11. All right, so do something a little bit different today. Um, I'm going to run very quickly through five observations from these chapters, and I'm going to spend a little bit more time uh, walking through chapter 31. This video may be longer than they normally are. I just feel like chapter 31 is a very pivotal chapter and also one that's very easy to misunderstand um, some confusing things in there. So I'm going to spend a little bit more time on that. So just a heads up, this may be a little longer than normal. All right, five quick observations, though, from our reading today. Rachel gives her servant Bilnah to Jacob to have children. Leah gives her servant Zilpah to Jacob to have children. Jacob senses Laban has turned against him and makes plans to return home. That's chapter 31. We're going to look at that in great detail in just a minute. Fourth, Jacob wrestles with an angel when he's 97 years old. Um, it's happening pretty late in, in his life there. And then a big, a big observation, Jacob's name is changed to Israel. Um, that will become very important to understand as we get later on in uh, our Bible reading. Uh, as, as you get closer and closer to the end of the Old Testament, you'll, you'll, you'll need to keep that distinction. But it helps us to know where the name Israel comes from uh, in, the, in the first place. All right. So let's look here at chapter 31 in some pretty good detail. Now Jacob heard that the sons of Laban were saying, Jacob has taken all that was our father's, and from what was our father's he has gained all this wealth. What we see here is the family is unraveling. Um, Laban's sons are tired of Jacob being around and feel he is taking away wealth from Laban and subsequently taking away wealth from them. Now the accusations here are not true as it was Laban that actually was setting the rules for their work. But regardless, Jacob's brothers-in-law have had their fill of Jacob. And it's not just the brothers-in-law. Something has changed with Laban's attitude toward Jacob as well. The wording here is that Laban's face is turned against him. It's not so much what Laban has said. It's his body language, his looks, his change in attitude toward Jacob. You know how it is when someone's feelings about you have changed. Well, Jacob sees it. He feels it. Um, this is probably setting up a contrast with Genesis 32, verse 30, where God will set his face upon Jacob. God will bless Jacob even as Laban is turning his face away from Jacob. The Lord will look with favor upon Jacob. So conflict is brewing. Something is going to have to change. In verse 3, it's worth noting that God's call to Jacob to leave Haran comes when things are going pretty well for Jacob, at least in a material sense. It's true that relationally things are starting to unravel, but he has family and children and, and lots of resources. Jacob now has 11 sons. He has gained wealth, as detailed in Genesis 30, after the strange experiment worked in his favor in Genesis 30, 37 to 42. The increase was not because of the strange actions, but because of God's grace. Nevertheless, things seem much better for Jacob than it's been the last 20 years. So why didn't God call Jacob to leave earlier? Why allow him to go through all the hardships and the challenges? 
Maybe you've wondered that in your life. Why, why did God leave you in a, in a challenging situation for so long? Um, well, God is working. Sometimes God's will is for us to not get too comfortable. Jacob is in danger for getting who he is, in danger for getting where he belongs, and so God is going to call him back home. Isn't it amazing how faithful God is to Jacob no matter what Jacob does? Well, that's our testimony as well, isn't it? God's faithfulness no matter what we've done, no matter how we may go astray, our God is still so faithful. Well, now it's time to go back home. Jacob thought he'd spend a few months here, maybe a year, find a wife, return home. Now it's been 20 years. It's been two decades. He's been wanting to go back home ever since the birth of Joseph. We read about that in Genesis 30. But now the time is right. So yes, Jacob wants to go home. Yes, his brothers-in-law are envious of him. Yes, his father-in-law is turning against him. But ultimately, Jacob is ready to go home because the Lord has called him to return home. The substance of the promise the Lord made to Jacob at Bethel has been renewed. Genesis 28, verse 15. And I just wonder, is it possible today that God is calling you back home to something? Have you wandered away from obeying the word? Have you wandered away from participating in your local church? Uh, have you wandered away from leading your family spiritually? Have you wandered away from a, a fervent prayer life? Have you left your first love? If so, it's time to go back home. He tells him that in verse 3 here, And I will be with you. This is the only truth that Jacob must know, that the Lord is with him. It seems Jacob has become comfortable in a foreign land, and this short trip has turned into two decades. Sometimes God's people get a little too comfortable this can be true with believers, too. Sometimes we get comfortable just sitting in church and not actually serving. Sometimes we get comfortable watching church online and not participating in the life of the church with our brothers and sisters. Sometimes we get comfortable reading the Bible, even studying the Bible, but, but ignoring the things that we don't want to obey. Sometimes churches get too comfortable. Um, they want to keep the peace at all costs and dial down being clear on, on truth. In, in verses 4 to 13, the conversations take place with, with Jacob and those who are going to go with him. It says that, verse 4, Jacob uh, sent and called Rachel and Leah into the field where his flock was, and he began to talk to them. So he holds this conference in the field so that he's not overheard by anybody else. He wants Rachel and Leah to understand why it's time to return home. But will they possibly agree to leave their father's house and home? That's the question. So Jacob is building his case to return to his homeland, to Rachel and to Leah. He does this by showing the contrast between how Laban has treated him and how the Lord has treated him. Jacob recounts God's blessings through uh, three things that God has given to him. The gift of his presence, verse 5. The gift of protection, verse 7, and the gift of provision in verse 9. Laban kept trying to change the rules to take money away from Jacob, but the Lord kept blessing Jacob instead. Um, let me point out one quick thing about this trial that Jacob is undergoing. Even though Jacob has had to deal with the hardships that Laban has put him through, the Lord is still at work. 
The key here is in verse 12. I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. That's important. The Lord has seen. He knows. He's aware of what's happening to Jacob. The intensity of the trial was under God's sovereign control. The duration of the trial was under God's sovereign control. And the purpose of the trial was under God's sovereign control. Be comforted by that in your life today. Whatever you're going through, whatever heartache you may be having to endure, the intensity, the duration, and the purpose of it is under God's control. He sees and he knows. Verses 10 to 12, Jacob recounts his dream and how the Lord has provided for him. Again, ultimately the reason for Jacob's success was not a superstition or strategy. God was responsible for his prosperity. Verse 12 helps us to see that it was God's hand that was making it possible for Jacob. In verse 13, there are three imperatives. Arise, go out, and return. It's time to go home. Um, Part of what God has used to get Jacob to return home was the improper way Laban was treating him. In other words, even his suffering that was happening to Jacob was being used by God to give him an impetus to return home, as was God's plan for him. Even the hard things in his life, even the unfair things in his life, are being used for his own good. Verse 14, Then Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, Is there any portion or inheritance left to us in our father's house? The bride price was paid to the wife's family. Uh, in the event of abandonment or death of the husband leaving his wife as a widow. The equivalent of Jacob's wages for his many years of labor should have been set aside for the women, but Laban just used it for himself. They say that he has devoured our money. That that word devoured literally means to have eaten up. Laban has used all the money to put into his flocks and his herds instead of saving it to provide for possible needs for his daughters. So Rachel and Leah are ready to follow Jacob's leadership, which is really an incredible thing. Which brings us to this final encouragement here that whatever God has said to you, do it. Whatever God in his word tells you to do, do it. We we tend to let our life get so complicated, but we don't need to. Read the word and obey it. Um Five quick applications from our reading today. Avoid indulging in feelings of envy and jealousy. We saw that in chapter 30, verse 1. Number two, even when others forsake you, rest in the nearness of God. You may feel like your friends, your family, your co-workers have turned their back on you. I don't minimize the reality of that or the pain of that. But even if that's true, remember that God is near Third, treat people with honesty and integrity always. Um, So much heartache has come in in the story today because that's not happening. There's so much deception. But if we treat people with honesty and treat people with integrity always, we, we keep our life simple. Lies and deception cause us to live in fear. Chapter 32, verse 7. We don't need to live in fear if we're people who are honest. Um, yes, there can be consequences that are hard, but you're not trying to remember your lie and, and backtrack for things and, and deal with people's um, uh, suspicion of, of what you're saying, whether it's truthful or not. 
And then fifth, families need leaders who refuse to live by worldly standards. Families need leaders who refuse to live by worldly standards. Someone in the family has got to say, we are going to do things right. We are going to live for the Lord. That No matter what your past has been like, no matter what your parents or grandparents did, every family needs somebody to say, okay, from, from this point on, we're doing things differently. From this point on, uh, we are going to follow the ways of the Lord. And we're, and we're going to abandon the, the worldly standards. And from this point on, we're doing things right. Let, let your life, let your home, let your family be that line in the sand. Um, as Joshua said in chapter 24, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're not going to be a family that, that lies. We're not going to be a family that deceives. We're not going to be a family that's worldly. We're not going to be a family chasing after um, idols we've set up. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And, and every family needs somebody to, to make that line in the sand and, and clearly say, uh, we're, we're going to live by the things of the Lord. Let me give you five kind of um, uh, bonus um, things to think about. Um, I'm going to give you a, a couple of, of extra theological uh, implications that come from uh, this this story uh, as as we think about what's taken place in Genesis 31 specifically. Number one, the Lord does not forsake his people. Jacob is no perfect man. He's far from it, but the Lord never left him. Two, people are complicated and capable of spiritual maturity. You need to understand this theologically, that, that people... Uh, even when they're sinners and struggling, um, with the help of the Holy Spirit, they are capable of, of spiritual maturity. Third, God's sovereignty is our best shield and defense. Joseph is falsely accused and imprisoned. Jacob is tricked and forced to work an extra seven years for Laban, uh, or extra number of years. But in both cases, the Lord saw what was happening and the Lord was at work. God's sovereignty does not guarantee that you won't suffer, but it does guarantee your life is shielded by His providence. Fourth theological implication, God is not limited by the whims of sinful men. Sinful people do plot and scheme, but the church of Jesus Christ marches on. Finally, do not let your heart sell for comfort rather than calling. Uh, do what God has called you to do through His Word. And do not bow the knee to the idol of comfort. Instead, make sure you press on toward God's calling for you as His child, as revealed in Scripture. So those are a few extra theological implications from uh, our reading today. So anyway, a little, little bit longer than normal, but, but that chapter 31, so many kind of strange things are happening uh, just wanted to kind of try to walk you through that a little bit, maybe provide a little more light to help you to see and understand all that is going on there. Hope that was helpful. Um, uh, oh, also I need to do the one the, the summary here from Psalm 11. Uh, really breaks into two halves, um, things that people are saying to him and then his own response to it. So uh, my summary of Psalm 11 is this, that when friends focus on the struggles and doubts, Remind them of the steadfast faithfulness of God. 
You may have people in your life that focus on the struggles and doubts and questions that they have. Remind them of the steadfast faithfulness of God. All right. Uh, hope that's helpful. Uh, thanks for reading with us. Thanks for watching these videos and uh, hope that you're encouraged by them. Have a great day.